Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Campionato di calcio italiano. Welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. And joining me this week, he doesn't even really need an introduction anymore, is Vito Doria. Vito, how is everything? Yeah, I could be better, Connor, but I'm still glad to be talking here on the FIF Podcast, talking about Italian football. So let's get cracking. Yeah, I won't lie to you. I'm in, I'm in pretty good form this week. I, I listened to the uh, midweek special pod that the guys did after the Champions League results and Dov described me as beautiful and wonderful in the introduction. And Vito, you knowing Dov, know how big of a compliment that is from him of all people. Also <laughs> joining me this week is someone who I'm speaking to for the first time face-to-face, Tom Robert. Welcome along. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me back on. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to discussing all the nil-nils this week. So yeah, it uh, should be good. Yeah, it's, I'm going to level with you guys. Uh, it's probably not going to be the best podcast we've recorded this season. So Tom, it's an unfortunate one for you to make your debut with me. Jax is in the comments. Ciao, Jax. Welcome along. So once he's here, we're good to go, really. But I was saying to you guys before we came on, I watched five games this week. Four of them were nil-nils, and the other was Juve, which I turned off early because I just knew what was happening as soon as I got the second. Place to start, then, is the Derby della Capitale. When this happens, you have to lead with it, I guess. But a bit of a missed opportunity for Roma here, Tom. What do you think? After the, the bad week Lazio have had, they could have just piled the misery on them. Um, yeah, I think um, they... They could have easily sort of uh, nicked a win and piled the misery on. But actually, uh, barring the humiliating defeat in midweek to um, Salzburg, their form going into it wasn't actually too bad. So 
All things considered, I don't think nil-nil, considering they've both come into the game off the back of two tough European ties, I don't think nil-nil is too disappointing for either side, considering the circumstances. It did look for a while like both were relatively happy just not to get beaten until Lazio then went down to 10 men and Roma had something of a flurry of chances a few minutes and Dzeko probably should have scored at least one. But Vito, what do you think? Roma had five days to recover, I think, for this game, whereas Lazio had, what was it, three? Are, are Roma happy to get out of here with the points? I reckon they'll be happy to get the points, but I still see it as two points lost. There were quite a few chances that Roma should have put away, such as Bruno Perez's shot in the first half, and then Jacko could have scored two goals near the end. So from the spot, the lack of energy from both sides. Roma seemed to finish the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the game a bit better than Lazio, and I thought they could have converted those chances. Yeah, I was quite surprised to see Roma line up with uh, back three or five, however you want to look at it again, given that they hadn't played that at all in Serie A until they went they can play Barcelona. And then for them to use that again so quickly... I don't know, was it a bit too predictable? Vito, I'll stick with you for this. Um, should he have just stuck with his tried and tested 4-3-3 or the variation of it? No, I reckon uh, he had a, every right, if you like, or it seemed justified for him to stick with the 3-5-2 or variant of it because it worked well against Barcelona and I think the formation also gives him another tactical option too. Also keep in mind that... Um, Perotti didn't play. Uh, El Sharari came on. And also Chingizunda came on later as well. So I reckon uh, probably the 4-3-3 would be more ideal if they were starters. But if they're not starting, uh, stick with the 3-4-1-2 or 3-5-2. It's probably a fair point. But uh, one thing that jumps out again, Roma not scoring Patrick Schick specifically not scoring. It's still just not quite clicking into gear for him in the capital. Tom, I've spoken about Schick's form with Luca, Vito, maybe even Nick at times this season, but what's it going to take for him to finally get off the mark there and hopefully kick on? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. I think um, obviously Jacko's performances have been brilliant especially recently he's played really well he was unlucky today not to score but it's one of those I think he shit could do with a, a run of games starting on his own maybe up front without Jacko. I think that would be one way he could he could get a goal but um I don't think Di Francesco will be willing to sacrifice sacrifice Jacko to try and get Schick's Schick scoring so it's one of those I, I could probably, I could see it going on for a little bit longer to be honest the way the way they, they've been playing. We've seen Sheik play quite a lot last year. Do you think that he is suffering from having someone like Jacko around? And maybe Jacko could be off next season and he'll get a bit more of a run of the team. I wouldn't uh, blame Jacko's presence for his lack of form anyway. As I've said on the past a few times, I reckon. It's just a case of him getting the right fitness and getting match fitness. Confidence is also a big factor too, and I think he's just been unfortunate in a few games where the chances just haven't been able to, you know, 
break the back of the net. Sometimes he's either shot wide or the goalkeeper's denied him. So he's been a bit unlucky too. Yeah. With the Jekko yeah. possibly out of the picture, I don't know if that's going to change everything. But, yeah, at least in Serie I think he's been very disappointing. Probably the Barcelona performance was one of those exceptions where I thought, at least in terms of teamwork and tactical smarts, I thought he played a good game midweek. Yeah, I was quite surprised to see him play against Barca, but pleased that he played a part in what was one of the biggest nights of Roma's, well, the biggest night of Roma's season, and one of the biggest in their recent history. Just popped up in the comments to say, I still can't believe Roma beat Barca 3-0. Jax, you're not alone there, mate. Seriously, it's it kind of feels like the wrong Italian team went through given what happened the following night. But yeah, if you haven't listened to the midweek podcast, go back, listen to that. Dov was joined by about 10 other people in both of the, the European games. Um, right, it's a good question, actually. Well, the way the Champions League falls, we don't usually talk about it, but Jackson wants to know, how do you think they'll get on against Liverpool? Tom, I'll go to you for that. Um, I think certainly they've got a, a chance. Everyone wrote them off against Barcelona and they managed to get through brilliantly. Um, Liverpool are quite um, susceptible defensively as well. They can be got out, particularly um, particularly in, the, I think, the full-back areas. And then Lovren and Van Dijk both are susceptible to an error. So, yeah, no, I think I, I think they've just got to contain, obviously, Salah, Mane, Firmino, that uh, ruthless striking talent that Liverpool have. But it's it's one of those. I, I could I could see them getting through over the two legs again. They've proven they can do it against Barcelona, so I don't see why they couldn't do it again. To be honest, I think them having the the second leg back in Rome plays into this quite a lot. If if it was the other way around, they were going to Anfield in the second leg, I wouldn't give them a chance. But if they can turn around a, a three deficit against Barca, they can definitely put goals past anyone. But that strike force Liverpool have is quite frightening. To be fair. And, They'd be doing well to keep a clean sheet in both games if either of those games. Vito Lazio, then they've last couple of games. The midweek collapse could really be playing on their minds. They will be happy to get a point, but again, they would have liked to beat Roma. Obviously, they've got Fiorentina who have been in good form coming up in midweek, and then Samarasi, where Samp are so strong next weekend. Their season could be about to get a whole lot worse. I think it's uh, possible for Lazio to have a further decline in this season. Psychologically, that defeat to Salzburg, I'm sure, would have hurt them a lot, even if they don't want to reveal it too much publicly. But this is not the type of result that you'd want to have near the end of the season. And surely, at least from a mental perspective, it will take a lot for them to get the confidence back up. Yeah, well, as it stands, Lazio and Roma both stay in the top four because of Inter's result the night before, which we'll come on to. Sam um, Fox, I think he's been missing from the comments in the last couple of weeks. It's good to have him back. He says, hopefully they beat Liverpool, their fans do my head in. Um, again, you're definitely not on your own there, Sam Fox. Right, guys, another nil-nil. To be fair, this was actually quite a good game. The derby I was quite disappointed with, but Milan-Napoli at San Siro. I thought the first half in particular was brilliant. And I know, Vito, I told you not to watch this and to focus on the derby. So I hold my hands up. I made the mistake there. Tom, there's still no start for Milica Diawara. 
even after what they did last week. And it's kind of starting to look like Maurizio Sarri doesn't realise he's allowed to change his team from week to week. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame because I think um, with Zapata and Masaccio partnering in centre-back, I think uh, Milik would have caused them quite a few issues today. Um, and it's just with Sarri, it's one of those, I think it is, it's beginning to cost them now this season his sort of stubbornness to stick with the same starting eleven, And, you know, I think Juventus have shown trust in your squad does help. I know they have a lot of quality on the bench as well, but maybe it's a recruitment issue from Napoli's part or it, whether it is Sarri just doesn't trust the players that he's got on the, on the bench. I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't see why Milik didn't get a start because Mertens is looking, looking like a man who's played one too many games at the moment, I think. Yeah. Mertens has looked not even slightly, but quite obviously exhausted for a few weeks now. And, I remember he came back out after halftime today and he got the ball and he just looked like he had been playing for three days straight. And this was five minutes into the second half and you would expect something of a resurgence of energy in that little time frame. Vito, I know you didn't watch today's game, but Mertens and Milik have to be swapped in the next couple of weeks because they have got Juve next weekend. They've got a game in between. If they want Mertens to be fit, they need to rest them maybe even for both of those can give Milik a run because Milik made a huge difference when he came on today and we saw the impact that he had last week as well. I think it's an absolute necessity to start Milik from now on. Aside from Mertens being burnt out, uh, Milik scored one of the goals in the victory against Kievo and he nearly won the game for Milan Again, yeah, I mean, for Napoli against Milan, but Donnarumma made that last-minute save. So I think Sarri's got to utilise him and he's got to show a bit more trust in his bench because uh, Sarri's stubbornness or refusal to rotate the squad is really costing them at the moment. Yeah, I I had a bit of sympathy for Sarri up until today, really, because... There isn't that much depth there. And, and I know people like to say that there is, but in truth, there isn't. They bring on Marco Rog as one of their first substitutes most weeks. And that he's just not good enough to be winning a Scudetto, really. Good squad player, but not someone who you would like to be stepping in as your first alternative to Alan. They've got Diwara and Milik, who we mentioned. Adam Unas can probably come in and do some sort of job, but he's not near the standard of their front three. And then Zielinski comes in for Hamshik for the last 25 minutes every week. It's starting to get frustrating now because Juve are going to win their seventh in a row. Kind of touches on... Tom, we probably haven't got your thoughts on this. CM Fox says it's over. Jax wants to know, is that it for Napoli? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, I, yeah, I think the only way I can see Napoli winning the title is if they win every single game, including Juventus away next week. And then Juventus have to drop points either away or into well, away at Inter and away at Roma, really, if they're, if they're going to have a chance. So, yeah, in all honesty, I, I can't see Napoli winning every single game. And I also don't see Juventus dropping enough points to even let them back in. So, yeah, unfortunately, I do I do think it is over now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was won over to that side of the argument about two weeks ago. Had a little bit of false hope when Napoli turned it around last week, but now I'm very firmly on the side of Juve are going to win the league easily again and probably forever. Uh, Matteo Mazzacchio then and Christian Zapata against all odds did manage to keep this Napoli team out and that deserves credit because for the most part they weren't even all that troubled. Tom, what did you make of their performance given that these two, I don't know if they've played together at all this season and then with Benucci and Romagnoli being out they were just forced into this makeshift back line. Yeah, they they did really well. Um, I, I was sort of when I saw the um, the lineups, I was expecting Napoli to have a field day, and it is easy just to just to say that Mertens is too worn out and Insigne is tired as well. Um, when actually Zapata and Masaccio did their part in keeping them quiet, and then when Milik came on, apart from apart from that great chance at the end, which was a amazing save from Donnarumma, he was he was reasonably reasonably kept under wraps by the two of them. So, yeah, I, I was surprised, actually, because obviously Benucci and Romagnoli are such a, such a formidable partnership that these two to step in, it's, it bodes well for Gattuso. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned Donnarumma's save there at the end, which was just unbelievable because when Milik hits that shot eight yards away from him and it's gone into the bottom corner, but Donnarumma whatever height he is, manages to get down right onto the ground and tip that past the post. Then Milik is already off celebrating as well, which was, I think I was off my off my seat as well. It was ridiculous. I don't know how he did it. But Donnarumma today made it made it himself the youngest ever player to reach 100 Serie A appearances. And, you know, that's just remarkable. And for all the guy's critics, and he has many, including some in Milan's Corvassoud, he's pretty bloody good, isn't he? Oh, I think he's a, a fantastic talent and probably one of the best young talents Italy has seen in a long time. 
It's just that this season and probably in the summer, he just looked like he was a bit out of form and out of sorts, mostly because of his contract situation. And I think that's impacted on his form a lot. But ever since he made his debut, he's been one of those players that's shown maturity beyond his years, at least on the field, and made some fantastic saves. It's just, uh, yeah, this season he's just had a few off days or conceded some soft goals, but the performance against Napoli with some of the saves he made, I think it shows, you know, that he is a player for the future and that he is an outstanding talent. He's just got to have his head in the right place and uh, make sure that he has that desire to be successful, that it's not just about the money, that football's about the glory, the trophies, uh, the great teammates and other people you meet on the way too. So hopefully he continues on this positive path. Yeah, you do kind of forget that the guy's only 19 as well because he's been their first choice for nearly three years now, made his debut at, what, 16, and quickly established himself as their number one. And there be a couple of better Italian goalkeepers now, but if we're looking towards the future, there aren't really many that... There are many Italian goalkeepers that are good, but none that have the same presence, physique, and just the name of Donnarumma already, which is just remarkable. Uh, we're going to go back to Napoli. Chris Martin has written in with a question. He says, sorry banging on about mental fatigue. Last year it was physical fatigue. Are Napoli fundamentally lacking what it takes with their squad to be champions or have Juve just been ridiculously relentless again? Tom, you first. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. Juventus have been relentless, particularly since the turn of the turn of the year. They've they've picked up. Uh, I think they've only dropped two points maybe since the, since the turn of the year. So they've been re- relentless as ever. But um, yeah, I think obviously Sarri doesn't trust his substitutes to the extent that he doesn't rotate. And I think it's easy for him to complain about mental fatigue and physical fatigue, but you know, you need, you need to then sign players to then compensate for it. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's a mixture of both. Juventus have been ridiculously relentless as usual, but yeah, I think, um, Sarri needs to make some improvements in the squad. If he doesn't trust the substitutes that he currently has, it's uh, every time Napoli slip up or look a little bit blunt in attack, I always think back to the transfer window when they couldn't quite convince uh, Simone Verdi to Bologna and go to them. And a lot of people said at the time that he would never get the minutes, but I seriously think if Sari was looking behind him on the bench and he saw someone like Simone Verdi who had been in such good form for Bologna the first half of the season, he wouldn't be able to not bring him on. And I think that guy could have made a real difference in Napoli, possibly winning the Scudetto and not. Vito, do you stand on the side of it being more to do with Juve being relentless or have Napoli just not got weeks beyond their starting eleven? Uh, I think it's a case of Napoli just doesn't have, a, have what it takes to win the Scudetto at the moment. Statistically, people might think Juve have been relentless. And yes, they've won the last six Scudetti. But if you want relentless... Manchester City in the EPL, PSG in Ligue 1, and Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga are relentless. Juve, more often than not, do enough to win. There are times where they do put teams to the sword, but not often enough. 
Now, and I think the team still has signs of decline despite the position in the table, which is kind of saying something about the rest of the league. Napoli, as beautiful as they have been for the last three years, uh, the lack of depth has been clear to show. And I think as much as I love Sarri's football philosophy, I think it also shows some flaws in it that sometimes there isn't a plan B or there's not enough variation to his football philosophy. So for me, I reckon Napoli, if they're going to compete for the Scudetto, I think it's really just a matter of De Laurentiis splashing out more money on squad depth or finding more options to really boost the quality of the squad because I think with what he's got, Sari still has done a great job and it's because of Sari that they've even been in the title race anyway. Yeah, that's it. I, I do feel slightly uncomfortable almost criticising Sari for not rotating because it is because of him that they are second to begin with. I think their wage budget is only the fifth biggest in Serie A transfer budget, something similar. So for them to even be second and to have pushed Juve even this far is a huge achievement in itself. But it's just going to be interesting to see what happens down south next season and who's going to still be there because you could quite easily see Reina going to Milan, Kelly Hon might be following them. Um, who else have we got? Mertens could go. The list is kind of endless. Gullabali as well, Gulam, Husai. We don't really know who's going to be there because... A lot of clubs in Europe will have been watching Napoli this year and will have liked what they've seen. And they're just going to probably come and throw some money at these players and take them. Fido, should we just get Juve Samp out of the way now then, given that they've been mentioned? It was very much business as usual for Juventus, though it didn't always seem like it was going to be. Um, Douglas Costa came on just before halftime, made a difference, got three assists, and Juve won 3-0. I, th- I understand you want to point the finger of flame at Edgar Barreto, so um, fire away. Well, obviously, he's my least favourite player at Sampdoria at the moment. <laughs> Generally speaking, Sampdoria have had a second-half season slump, but I think he's been one of the contributors to that. And he played for 82 minutes. So although the team in general is down, I think he is the weak link of all weak links. So... Once Marco Giampaolo gets into his head that Barreto is a liability to this team, then we might some might have some minor hope of trying to qualify for Europe. But I think Fiorentina and Atalanta look more qualified than us at the moment. I'll take that as a personal compliment on behalf of Atalanta because things haven't been going too well lately. But um, that first half against Inter yesterday was good. The most shocking thing from this game was that Benedict Juvarez actually exists. And not only did he start for Juve, but he, he went and scored. Tom, who saw this coming? Yeah, I'm not sure. So I, actually, I, I actually did forget he was playing at Juventus. It was that sort of, um, I, I haven't heard his name knocking around for so long. But um, yeah, he scored a good header. Um, it was well worked from Juventus to move the ball out to the left and then it Every Sampdoria player was dragged over and um, it was pretty poor defending because when the cross came in, Javedes was at the back post waiting to just nod it in. So, yeah, no, he had a good performance. I think Costa came on and completely changed the game. It, they, Juventus weren't fantastic in the first half and then Pjanic going off injured, Costa came on and instantly made an impact 
setting up Mandzukic and then also assisting the other two scorers. So, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a typical Juventus performance, really. Once they got that first goal, you never, never thought they were going to ever give up the lead. No, that's just Juve in a nutshell, though, isn't it? Once they got ahead, turn off, because that's just what happens. Um, I did see, there was a nice tweet, actually, from, I think it was James Castle. He said, Douglas Costa assisting Mandzukic, Kadira, and Hovedes. It's a very Bundesliga game in Serie A, which, it was a weird one, that. But I don't think there's much else to talk about that game. I nearly got excited because we were talking about a game that had some goals in it. And then I realised it was just another textbook Juve win to all but kill off the title race and I lost all motivation to talk about it so we're going to talk about Atalanta nil Inter nil um this was a ridiculous game because Atalanta should have been about three nil up at halftime Papa Gomez missed a ridiculously bad chance within five minutes and I kind of thought oh no that's a huge chance to go ahead but then they just kept coming this was the first time that Inter have left Bergamo without scoring since 1992. And Atalanta only had 14 fit first-team players, outfield players, who had started for them this season. It was, it was remarkable because Atalanta just played them off the park in the first half. And one of the standout performers here, Vito, was, was Musa Barrow, a, a 19-year-old Gambian striker, making his full debut in Serie A against Inter in what is something of a local derby, which was just... Amazing, and again, further testament to what Atalanta and their youth academy do. Well, absolutely. Um, I didn't get a chance to see that game, but I did read your match report and other reports too, and Musa Barrow, by the sound of things, did get some glowing reviews. And I saw in La Gazzetta, they gave him a 7 out of 10, so that he got the highest score in the Italian newspaper there. So that's impressive for a kid on his debut. I also saw his Primavera statistics. He scored 23 goals in just 18 games, more than anyone else in the Primavera Championship. So the potential is definitely there. So maybe towards the end of the season, he might provide a little bit of uh, extra speed or hopefully finishing class for Ladea towards the end of the season. Yeah, he's definitely got it in his locker. As you mentioned, his Primavera stats are ridiculous and finding the goal is the same at senior level as it is at a junior, I guess. But he came off at halftime and it was such a strange move because Gasparini basically made a decision that made all of the Inter fans and players happy because giving them an absolute torrid time out there. The only thing his game was missing was the first touch. His pace was tearing them apart and... Gomez was just picking out passes to him all day long and just letting him run behind Miranda and the rest of them. And he nearly did score. And then of it was forced into a decent save. And then of it actually made a few good saves in the first half to keep Inter on terms. But they, they kind of tried out something of a back three in this game. And the three of them all failed against Barrow and Gomez. And I can't see them doing that again anytime soon. But if we're going to move over to Inter then, Rafinha, he was okay. He was probably one of the bright sparks. He set up a couple of chances for Perisic and as far as it went for Inter on the day, one of their better players in attack. He wants to stay at the club. He said last week that he's learning Italian and he's happy at San Siro, but Inter will need to pay $35 million to keep him there. Tom, is he worth that investment? 
Um, it's one of those. Uh, Inter are crying out for a creative spark in the centre of midfield. Uh, I think that was their 12th, 12th draw of the season, and it they they just need someone to create the chances when Perisic isn't isn't setting up a cardi. They they don't seem to have anyone else. Um, Rafinha's played okay the times I've seen him. He's not blown me away, and then. 35 million euros as well. It's quite a lot of money. It'd be worth considering whether there's other options maybe before they did plump for that. But in this market, it's difficult to it's difficult to gauge whether 35 million gets you a a, a good attacking midfielder or not anymore. It's, it's the market's so warped. So they'll they'll need to consider it because they I think they're definitely lacking that creative central midfielder just to turn those draws into victories. Yeah, I think that I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Oh, Vito thinks about it. There's creative problems, so uh, we won't go in for Rafinha. But I saw a couple of people on Twitter talking about Borja Valero and his role in this Inter team. And at the start of the season when he went there, I thought it was one of the best pieces of business of the summer because he's a fantastic player who've got a lot of time for. But it's hard to really work out where he fits into this Inter team, Vito, because when he sits deep, he looks like he's not really able to do it. And when he plays up closer to the striker, it looks like he's not quite quick enough to fill that role either. Where's his future? Is it even at Inter or could he possibly be moving on again in the summer? I think he should move on at the end of the summer. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. So now we can say that the move has not been worthwhile, but I could understand where Inter were going and trying to sign him in the first place. Despite his age and lack of pace, he is someone who's generally a good use of the ball and very confident on the ball as well as having good vision. But this season, I think he just looks out of place in that Inter team because a lot of the players are physically stronger and they're faster too. So I think they need someone who's going to be not just faster with his feet but also faster with the mind as well. So... I think it's probably better for Valero to either move to a smaller Serie R club or maybe even consider a future back in uh, La Liga and play there because Inter needs something that's really going to provide more creativity in midfield because Valero's not doing enough of it. Given his strong feelings for the city of Florence and Fiorentina, I wouldn't be half surprised to see him go back there. I know it ended pretty terribly between him and the club, but the fans made it clear that they still loved him when Inter went back there. Uh, they all held up the banners, criticising the club and praising Borja Valero. So that could be interesting to see him back in purple again. Speaking of Fiorentina, they also drew nil-nil today. Brilliant against Spal. And they, to be fair, they had looked pretty unstoppable lately. And it took a mighty spell performance to keep them at bay. Although they really clung on in that first half, they were spell that is were given a penalty after eight minutes, but then it was taken away from them. Probably right. Correctly. To be fair, after the ref looked at VAR um, and then Vito, I know you watched this game. Fiorentina were pretty wasteful after that. Simeone in particular missed a couple of chances to make it four games in a row in which he scored. Oh, he was very wasteful. And I thought, Fiorentina in general were a wasteful side. Probably probably on another day, Fiorentina would have won this game 6-7-1, or I reckon. But aside from them wasting an abundance of chances, 
Alex Meritz have a, had an excellent game in golf or spells. So I think uh, he was one barrier that the viola had to deal with. He was actually excellent, to be fair. Um, he hasn't, I think Gomez came in at points from this season. I'm not sure if that was through injury or not. And Gomez did quite well. Game I was at against Verona, he conceded yeah, twice, injury. but was pretty good. And it was he was injured, fair enough. But uh, Gomez, I thought, might be able to keep Merritt out of the team. But Merritt's just come back in. He's been excellent. He made a brilliant save from Chiesa. I think it was in the oh, second half. Chiesa just unleashed a seriously strong effort that dipped and curled and moved and it flew at the top corner and it just looked like you're just waiting for the net to bulge then but Merritt somehow got up and tipped it over the crossbar but Vito it was a strange one because it seemed to take Spal after their initial first five minutes it seemed to take them until the last 15 to actually think oh hang on we can go and get a get a win here because the fans came into full voice then and they started attacking a little bit more um it was this uh, Spal you're talking about? Spal, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably until that period, I thought that uh, only the right wing back, Manuel Lazzari, he was the main offensive threat. Otherwise, the rest of the team looked a bit down than what they were usually used to. So, yeah, probably till the end, that's probably where they could have nicked the goal when uh, Viviani took that free kick, then Sportiello saved it. And I think Felipe could have got the rebound. And then there was another play on the left wing where the sub Eros Giavon uh, made a nice run there and drew a free kick there. But other than that, probably Spal did not look as uh, cohesive as they have been in other games where they've really stood up against strong opposition. Yeah, well, with that result, it's kind of as you were in the race for the Europa League, really. Milan, Fiorentina, Atalanta all picking up a point. They're 6th, 7th and 8th, uh, whereas Samp kind of lost ground. Although one point isn't that much. <laughs> they're now a point off Atalanta and they're sitting in ninth, So it's still very much all to play for there. And that's probably where the, the main interest is going to come for the rest of the season. That and the final Champions League place, I guess. Um we fly through the rest of the Serie A fixtures and Cagliari beat Udinese 2-1. Udinese aren't entirely safe from relegation at the moment, but you would imagine there's too much between them and the drop for them to actually go down. Chievo Torino played at another 0-0. Uh, Genoa beat Crotone 1-0 to make Fido happy. Bologna beat Verona 2-0. And Sassuolo Benevento. Benevento, I think you're right in saying that this was their first away point and it was that guy, Czech Diabate, again. He looks like a properly good player, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure does. I just uh, double-checked before we started recording this pod. And yes, it's Benevento's first ever away points in Serie A. And Diabate has been in excellent form. Uh, he's got seven goals, if I'm not mistaken now. So uh, he's been quite a valuable asset to that attack. And I would have liked to have seen him utilised earlier. Yeah, it's an interesting one because he scored seven goals, but his goals to minutes ratio is ridiculous. I think it was last week that it was a goal every 31 minutes. So it'd be good to see what that is now because he hasn't played all that much, but he just keeps scoring for them. And it would be interesting to see where they'd be if he had been playing for them throughout the whole season. 
Um, I think that's pretty much all to talk about in Serie A, to be honest with you. The, the fight at the bottom still looks interesting enough. Plenty of teams involved, except for Benevento. And Serie B then, there were plenty more draws here. It was a weird week in Italian football because of the 10 games in Serie A, six of them ended in draws. And of the 11 in Serie B, eight of them ended in draws. It's it's a strange one for that to happen so widely across the board. But Foggia, Ternana and Empoli were the only winners, Vito, as everything stayed in the title race. Yeah. Well, the Serie B in general, I think, is still looking very exciting. Probably Empoli look like they're going to win the title and finish on top, but everything else is certainly there to play for. And the three wins, they were pretty intriguing results. Empoli getting that win to assert their dominance in the division, then uh, Ternana winning 3-0 away to Novara was very impressive, and they're continuing a late surge for survival. They won last week 5-1 against Cittadella, who are fighting for a playoff spot. And then the other win was, yeah, uh, Foggia 3, Ascoli nil, and Foggia, they missed the penalty in that game, so that would have added more gloss to the win. And they're just two points away from a playoff spot. So from looking like relegation contenders, they suddenly look like a team that could even shake things up near the top half of the table. I couldn't believe it when I looked at the table because I haven't been keeping as close an eye on Fodger as Nick and you would probably like me to, but they were relegation contenders earlier on the season and now they could quite easily get into the playoffs. It's madness, that division, but was it the top and bottom were separated by about eight points, not all that long ago, but mm. I have really pulled away at the top. But, and Ternana, as they seem to do every year, they did it last season anyway. They looked dead certain for relegation and they just put together a late run. They've scored eight goals in the last two games and it's as if they're just saying to everyone else, what are you worried about? Of course, we're going to stay in Serie A. B. And I really hope they do because them and Atalanta are friends. So I like Ternana and I should probably go sometime. Parma then are still still there, thereabouts in the playoff places and they could even take the automatic promotion spot, which... Tom, I know you're not been following Serie, a, Serie B that closely, but I'm sure even you could get behind a, a return to Serie A for Parma. Yeah, yeah, it would be fantastic after everything that club's been through um, if they were to return to Serie A, um, given their history and their fan base. I, I, yeah, yeah, the romantic part of me in football would like to see them return, yeah. Um, myself and Luca were in Parma there, must be two months ago now, and we went to see them play just because of their history and they still have that kind of appeal to anyone who's followed football before the last four years, because given the circumstances of what they went through to go down as far as they did to get three promotions in a row, which is standing and especially for Lucarelli to still be there as well. It would, it would be great for him to guide them back up to Serie A. Right, guys, given what's happened this week and it being a quiet enough one, I think we can leave it just about there. We're, we're coming into 40 minutes. So I'm happy to stop it here if you guys are. Vito, do you want to let people know where to follow you on Twitter, Instagram, and all the rest? On Instagram and Twitter, I have the same handle. Just go to Vito C. Doria. Then, of course, uh, check out my Facebook fan page, which is just that, Vito Doria. Uh, Tom, let people know where they can find you on social media. 
Yeah, it's just on Twitter. It's uh, Thomas J. Prober. Um, I've, I'm only recently new to Twitter, so it doesn't look particularly legitimate. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you can find me at Thomas J. Prober. <laughs> Everyone head over there and bump up his follower account. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Con J. Clancy, and I do have a Facebook page as well, which is just under my name, Connor Clancy. Uh, best thing for you guys to do, though, between now and the next podcast is to go over to ForzaItalianFootball.com, read everything we have. Go up to the top right of the screen, click on shop and look at some of the gorgeous memorabilia merchandise we have over there because there's some beautiful stuff. We've got Baggio, Batigol, Maradona, Maldini, everyone you could possibly want on a t-shirt, a mug, pen, a notebook and whatever you want. We've got it with your favorite Serie A legend on it. So I don't think there's anything else for me to say this week. Thanks to everyone in the comments as always you do make it easier Jax it's good to have you back you've been missing a while CM Fox the same as you and I think you guys were the most active there so that's it come back same time again next week we'll be here until next time it's ciao for now ciao Portaci dove vuoi, verso le tue conquiste, dove tu arriverai, sarà la storia di tutti noi, solo chi corre può fare di te la squadra che sei.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.